purse with all the stuff I have with me. <laughs> Called a satchel. Men. Mars. Yeah, one of those. <laughs> I was talking with somebody recently. I talked about their struggle when they come to church. They said they feel, they recognize in their life that they're sinful. They have issues. That they ha- they're not living up to what they feel like they should be living up to. So they said they, they struggle making it here because of their guilt. And I, I explained to them, and, and they knew this already, but I just, it's good to remind ourselves this is a place for people with guilt. Amen? Amen. This is a place because where can we go with our guilt but to God? Um, sometimes we think church is a place for people who are super saints. You've got to get your act cleaned up before you can get into the doors here. Uh, is that true? No. It's not a museum for saints. It's a hospital for sinners. Has anyone sinned out there? Have you fallen short of the glory of God? But do you have a Savior? Amen. So remind yourself that and remind your friends that. Church isn't a place where you have to be perfect to be here. It's a place where you come to be with your perfect Savior. Um, And we can give each other some grace and flexibility, recognizing that uh, we're still works in progress. So I'm glad that you're here today. Let's bow our heads. Dear God, no one's perfect except for you. No one has lived perfectly on this earth except for you, Lord Jesus. And we're thankful through your grace and through your mercy and through Your selective memory, um, our records are clean too in your sight as we confess our sins to you. So please speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. A number of years ago, there were a couple of climbers on El Capitan in Yosemite. Richard Harrison and Nick Escrow. They were high up on the mountain, and it was a great day until something horrible happened. They didn't die. Nothing like that happened. But when you're climbing El Cap, uh, I've never done the main face. I've done the the east buttress of El Capitan. Um, Someday I'd like to do the the regular, uh, like the nose here, which is like 30 rope lengths. But... uh, Anyway, <laughs> um, they were part way up, and, and it takes, you know, a few days. Um, you know, it's been done in under two hours, but the first people, it took them six months to do this, to do this thing. So these guys were good climbers, but as uh, the, the one guy was belaying his friend up to him, his anchor station, he'd, he'd put some of, some of these kind of things into the cracks of the rock, and had created an anchor where he was, his body weight was hanging and it was just, you know, space below him. Uh, he was handing over the gear sling to his buddy. Um, and unlike this gear sling that is sewed together, this one was, was, it had a knot tied in it. And as he was handing the gear to his friend, the knot came untied 
and all of their gear went ping, ding, 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 down the face of El Cap, a thousand or more feet, 3,000 feet total. And they were just left hanging there with basically no gear. What do you do? This was before cell phones. This was, you gotta pray, that's right. Thank you. Before cell phones, Yosemite climbing wasn't as popular then, so there weren't as many people out on the rocks. And you're so high up that you can't just yell for help. People won't necessarily hear you. And so they knew if they're going to get off, they're going to have to do it themselves. They couldn't just lower themselves down because there weren't bolted anchor stations at every uh, 100 feet or so. They knew if they're going to get off, they had to use what they had. So they looked through. This wasn't their haul bag. This is an Albertson's bag. <laughs> they looked through their haul bag to see, is there any extra gear that, that we didn't have on our rack that we dropped? Is there anything? And they were able to come up with a few nuts. Uh, here's a couple of nuts. We could use those. And they looked around in some of the other cracks, and there was some gear that had been left behind. And with the help of their, their hammer, they were able to bang some of the gear out. And they had about eight pieces of gear. When you, when you think about leading a whole uh, rope length, you need a lot more than that. And, and, and on top of that, what happens if the crack is this wide and your piece of gear is only this big? It won't help you at all. You need the right size gear for the right size crack. And so they found themselves in a very difficult situation. But little by little, they began to inch themselves up the face. Up was the, the, was the best way for them to go in that case because they could take all their gear with them. Um, if you go down, you have to leave gear on the rock. And so little by little, the, their rope length, they wouldn't go very far because they'd run out of gear, has, still have to have gear for an anchor. Sometimes their whole anchor was just one, uh, one nut, one of these guys, just jammed in the crack, and all of their body weight was hanging on just this one thing, which it can hold all of that, but you don't feel very good. You want multiple pieces. And eventually, they were able, because they used what they had, to get to the top and make it out alive. But the other alternative, the only other alternative, it seemed to them, was just to hang there until they died. Sometimes in life, you just have to use what you have. I want to invite you to open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 19 as we examine a familiar story of Jesus where he reminds us in life we have to use what we have. Luke 19. Last week we were in Luke chapter 11. This week, Luke chapter 19. And we'll start in verse 11. Luke 19 and verse 11. The Bible says this. I'm in the New King James translation today. Now as they heard these things, he spoke another parable. Well, what things did they hear? 
If you look back into the context surrounding this passage, it's the story of Jesus going to whose house? Zacchaeus' house. Remember that sinner? The guy that had a lot of issues with dishonesty and greed and all sorts of things? But the Lord got a hold of his heart and God did good things in his life. He restored the things that he had taken. Verse 9, as Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, as they heard these things, he spoke another parable because... Because why? Because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Now, where was Zacchaeus? Where did he live? Do you remember what town he lived in? Jericho, exactly. 19 verse 1 says he was in Jericho. So they're traveling now. They're going up the road to Jericho. And I showed you this picture already, but this is the road from Jericho to Jerusalem, where Jesus talks about the Good Samaritan uh, rescuing the poor person who's beat up alongside the way. Jesus and his disciples are traveling on this treacherous road that's not only dry, but there are bandits and people who want to do you harm sometimes. But they're, they're getting close to their destination. They're getting close to Jerusalem. And the people are thinking that Jesus is going to set up his kingdom. They're thinking he's going to crown himself as king. And we've seen that he can do all this, these sorts of miracles. He can multiply food. He can heal people. This is going to be awesome. Again, their focus was on the here and now. But Jesus was thinking about not only the here and now, but the later, the spiritual kingdom. So he, he had to tell them a parable because they were thinking that he was going to do his kingdom and set it up right away. Therefore, verse 12, he said to them, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. Verse 13, so he called ten of his servants and delivered to them ten minas, a mina is about 100 days wages. So if you have 10 of them, you're talking about three years of money. Just boom, given to his servants. He said to them, do business until I come. But his citizens, how'd they feel about him? They hated him. They sent a delegation after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. Now, interestingly enough, there's probably a historical story, events that Jesus is basing this parable off of. It wasn't just a random idea that he pulled out of his head because the Jews had different people who were leading them and ruling over them. You've heard about Herod, right? And they didn't like the people that ruled over him. Um, Archelaus was the, was the son of Herod the Great. Herod the Great dies Archelaus says, this is an opportunity for me to receive the kingdom. And so, but, but he didn't have authority on his own to just take the kingdom. He had to get it from Rome itself, um, which Rome gave to him a portion of his father's kingdom. But the Jews were not happy about it. In fact, Archelaus killed about 3,000 Jews over the time of Passover. And so they were extremely unhappy to have this person as their leader. And so they sent a delegation of, of about 50 Jewish representatives all the way to Rome to appeal to not have this man be their leader. And so it's kind of in the background 
of this. Archelaus, this, this unloved ruler who's oppressive and, and these types of things, who wanted to receive a kingdom. Eventually, he gets the kingdom, but the people didn't want him. So that's probably what's going through the mind of the people, but Jesus takes it and he changes it a little bit. He changes it. So how many servants are we dealing with here? Ten. Ten. Yeah, sometimes people think that this story is the same story as the, the parable of the talents. But it's actually different. If you were to want an activity this afternoon, you could look the other one up, and you could see that there are some significant differences. With the talents, uh, each person gets a different number of talents. There's five, and two, and one, and so forth. In this case, there are ten people, and they all get the same. The parable of the talents is told to just the twelve disciples. This one is told to apparently a group of people as they're walking along. And there are several other differences as well. You remember it? Good. So it's a two different, two different stories here, but all ten of them get how many minas? Ten minas. They get, and they're told to do what? They're told to do business until I come back. Now remember, why is Jesus telling the story? He's telling the story. Right. They're getting close to Jerusalem, and he had a purpose for this parable. It's because they thought he was going to receive the kingdom immediately. So, in another way, he's, he's trying to get across the idea to them, I'm not going to get the kingdom right away. And so he tells a story about somebody who's entrusted opportunity, gifts, money to people, but he goes away to go get the kingdom, and he's going to come back and get it later on. There's going to be a delay before the kingdom is received. But then we get to verse 15. So it was, when he returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to whom he had given money to be called to him, that he might know how much money every man had gained by trading. Then he came to the first, saying, or then came the first, saying, Master, your mina has earned how many minas? Ten minas. That's a pretty good return on an investment, huh? You had ten to start with, you get ten back. I wish my retirement plan worked like that, right? <laughs> I looked at the, the like quarterly thing, and I was like, wait, it's gone down a big chunk here recently. But they say you just put money in and you don't even look at it uh, if you've you know, got it in a good place. So we'll see how that goes. But this guy got 10 back, right? My mind was going all different places there. <laughs> Got to stay on track here. So he gets 10 back. Verse 17, And when he had said to him, Well done, good servant, because you were faithful in very little, you have authority over how many cities? Ten. Ten. That's awesome. You're in charge of three years of wages, and then you get to be in charge of ten cities. You get to be a governor over a region. Pretty big responsibility. Verse 18, And a second man came, saying, Master, your mina has earned how many minas? Five minas. Well, that's still a really good return on your investment. That's great. Now he has 15. Likewise, he said to him, You will be over five cities. So the master is saying, With, with what you've accomplished, I'm going to reward you accordingly. 
everyone's going to receive equal to what they were able to accomplish. And then we get to verse 20. Then another came, saying, Master, here is your mina, which I have put away in a handkerchief. In a handkerchief, huh? Yeah, so in the parable of the talents, there was a guy that actually buried it in the ground, but here's another difference. He just puts it where? In a handkerchief in this story. That's like the thing you blow your nose on, right? You wipe your forehead with when you're sweating. Now, in those days, they didn't have the kind of banks like, like we have, and it was best if you had a lot of money, you put it in the ground. You go out somewhere in a field, you find a good spot that nobody else knows when nobody's watching you, you dig a good hole, and that's your retirement policy. You put your money in the ground. If you just put it in a handkerchief, it would be easier for a thief to find your money going through your house in a handkerchief than it would be uh, if it was buried and there was no marker for it in the ground. Would you agree? So this is even worse than just burying it because it's somewhere apparently in his house where it could be found. It's like he just put it, you know, underneath his mattress. Um, people store their money there sometimes. Not the best spot in the world to put your, to put your possessions. Yeah. Here's your, here's your mina. I put it in a handkerchief. Verse 21, for I feared you because you're an austere man. You collect what you did not deposit and you reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, out of your own mouth I will judge you, you wicked servant. For you knew that I was an austere man collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put your money in the bank? so that at my coming, it might have collected it. I might have collected it with interest. He's not, he's not saying um, necessarily, yes, I'm the person that you think that I am, but if that's who you really think that I am, why didn't you at least put it somewhere safer where it be getting, could be getting interest? You did less than the least that you could have done. Why didn't you do that? Verse 24, and he said to those who, who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to him who has ten minas. But they said to him, Master, he has ten minas. For I say to you that everyone who has will be given, and from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. But bring here those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. Pretty interesting parable, huh? There's a lot that we could talk about Maybe a lot of questions that this raises. Sometimes people read this and they say, well, if this is a parable and Jesus is saying that this story is about him, then what kind of a picture of God is this painting? We have to understand, number one, Jesus isn't trying to draw a one-to-one correlation between all the elements of his story. The purpose that he was telling this story was because people thought he was going to become king right away. And he wanted them to know, no, 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 I have to go get the kingdom, and then I have to come back. And so the number one lesson that we have taught from the story is that it takes time for the kingdom to be received by Jesus, and it takes time waiting for Jesus to return. But the the really big application for us 
is thinking about what was given and what was expected. The first two guys that got a good return on their investment, the master was happy with. He was happy because they did something. It didn't say he was more happy with the one who got more, although he got more responsibility, but he was happy that both of them had used what they'd been entrusted with and they got something back. But the one he was unhappy with was the one who'd received something and had done nothing with it because of fear. This man needed to learn an important lesson that the climbers we talked about earlier learned. You gotta use what you have. Just do something with what you've been given and see what comes from it. Use what you have. I want to ask us this morning, what have we been given? Because we're still waiting for Jesus to return. We've talked about in previous sermons how Jesus has already been inaugurated in heaven. He's received the kingdom, or the title to the kingdom, and the only thing left is for him to come back and receive the kingdom literally, physically, personally. But we're still waiting for him to return. So what have we been entrusted with? What have we been given? Yeah, we've been given the Holy Spirit. What else? We've been given the gospel. Ministry of reconciliation. An opportunity to help reunite people with one another and with God himself. What else have we been given? What? Talents. I thought you said cats for a second. (laughs) Talents. Sure. Abilities, right? Yeah. A big burden, a big responsibility, a big privilege. What are some of the talents that you have? What are your talents? You're good at Legos. You know that God can use your Lego ability to be a blessing for others? Because you can connect with other people who love Legos. And you can be a blessing to them. You can be a witness to your neighbor friends that love Legos. There's no talent that, as long as it's not like a sinful talent, but the talents that God gives to us can be used no matter what it is. Yeah, Roman? That's right. I go over to their house and, and I quiz him on his flags. He knows all these different countries. Uh, that can be used. Your brain can be used by God to do something good for him. Who knows, maybe God will send you to some of those countries in the future as a missionary. Uh, yeah, what, what are your other talents? I know there's some good cooks here at this church, amen? Are you blessed by that here? Sure, we have a lot of good cooks in this church. And and we've got a healthy cooking school coming up in March that we're using as a blessing. What about our greeters? Do you like to have somebody open the door for you? Somebody shake your hand and smile and hug? My wife is much better at sending cards and writing cards than I am. I'm glad for our ladies and men that stand out there and help you sign cards to, to, to send to people who are sick. Have, have any of you received one of those cards before? Yeah. Did you feel 
happy to receive it? Yeah. I mean, there are all sorts of things that we, that we don't typically think of as spiritual gifts that God can and wants to use in your life. Everybody has been given something. Some of you are good at being listeners. listeners. Is that an important tool that you can use for God? Absolutely. There are a lot of lonely people in this world, in your neighborhood, in our church, in your friend circle, who just need a listening ear. God wants to use your ear to minister to them. What are some of our, our other talents? Yeah. That's right. All of us have opportunity. Every single day we have time, right? That's one of the gifts that we have. Time. And there's not a, not a person in here who can't use their time for God. You know, the, one of the easiest ways to use our time is to spend time every day praying for other people. Anybody can do that. I don't care if, you're, if, if you are a, a really, really young person or a really, really old person. You can use time and you can pray. You can think about loved ones, family members, and you can advance the spiritual battles in this world, the kingdom of God, through prayer. And you don't even have to get out of your chair to do it. Amen? Amen. Everybody has a gift. Everybody has opportunity. Everybody has gifts that God has given you. So my question to you today, really simple message, is are you using what you've been given? You've got time. How are you using your time? You have talents. Lego talents. Rubik's Cube talents. There are all sorts of talents. And we want to do a better job of starting to find ways to plug you in with your talents. Guys, we want to start doing things maybe for single moms, once a year doing an oil change or something. Uh, I know guys either like to work on cars or stand around watching somebody who's working on a car. You know? We need supervisors. <laughs> so if you aren't finding ways to use your talents for God, talk to me. We can maybe create something totally new so that you can feel like you are giving back to the kingdom of God. Uh, seriously, I invite you to call me. Talk to one of our elders or our deacons. Say, I, I don't feel like I'm adequately being used, but I want to be used. We want to put you to work with whatever time you have, whether it's five minutes every year, hopefully more than that, or whether you have all the time because you're retired at this point in your life, you can do something for God. God expects you to do something for him. So the challenge for you this morning is to pray, God, what have you given me and what do you want me to do with what I've been given? Moses, he had a stick. What's in your hand, Moses? I have a stick. With a rod and God, you can do big things. That stick was used to part waters. That stick was used to lead people out of bondage. There was the widow of Zarephath. She just had a little bit of oil and flour, and they were going to make one more meal, and then they were going to die. God used that and multiplied it. There was the other widow. She just had a little bit of oil, and she had neighbors that had containers. God used her 
to do awesome things in her city. So what are you going to do with what you've been given? Let's bow our heads. Dear God, all of us have been entrusted with time, talent, treasure, opportunities. I pray that we won't um, hold on to them because of fear. We know that you love us and you want to use us and you can and will use us. So Lord, if we haven't discovered our talents or discovered the time resources that we have, show us this week. Show us right now. Reveal to us in our hearts what it is that we're good at, what, what we're naturally inclined to, and show us how we can put that into service for your kingdom. Lord, we thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. Let all God's people say, Amen. Have a happy Sabbath and use what you've been given.